It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. we got a great one for you today here on this Monday, August 2nd, as we look to recap UFC Fight Night Hall versus Strickland, which took place last Saturday, July 31st, at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, as always, great to be back with you guys. Um, I'm in a cheery mood. I'm in a cheery mood because I was dreading doing this recap uh, leading up to the event but uh, not that bad. Not that bad of, a, of an event. You know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, you know, you got to go to the doctors and, you know, some people don't like needles and, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you have to get a shot, but it turns out you don't have to get a shot because the card didn't suck. I didn't even have to worry about doing this recap show and it just being a dud because it was all, it was all made up. It was all media hype garbage. So, you know, I, I, uh, you know, hedged my bets, uh, but I was being truthful in saying that, hey, you know, a lot of the times when it's shitty on paper doesn't exactly mean it's going to be shitty in actuality, although I did say there is a obviously a correlation, so I hedged my bets, so it's not the end of the world, but uh, I'm sitting here very, very happy, because this was actually a pretty good card, only a 10-fight card, uh, and, uh, you know, had a lot, a lot of late cancellations, which were... Uh, interesting but uh no i was i was very very excuse me surprised also tuned into a little of uh bellator uh 263 uh which i wanted to talk about uh just very briefly we'll we'll put it in the housekeeping uh obviously uh noteworthy housekeeping as always you know the a topic in housekeeping is always the main card showdown we had nss 49 uh, it was the July World Grand Prix. Mailman gets his belt back, uh, knocks out uh, the locomotive, unseats the locomotive, derails the locomotive, some people say, uh, in round three. So, you know, that loss was just a blip on the radar. You know, you got to lose at some point, And, you know, obviously, uh, Mailman's still going to hold on to that belt for a long time. Um, we don't have updated rankings. I'll get to that. There's gonna be it's just the middleweights i got to get to which is a terrible excuse because it's you know saying the rankings are so easy and then not doing them is not a very good excuse but it it will be very easy so i should just do it at some point um yeah i guess we'll start off with bellator just my brief thoughts on bellator uh as always the broadcast was super slow super slow but that's not a surprise i've said this a million times the pacing of a bellator broadcast is just it's like a funeral it's just god forbid there's a finish in a bellator fight because there's already automatically 30 minutes in between each fight and if the fight ends early then just tack on 15 minutes of you know just promos and the some of the worst analysts i've ever seen in major mma promotions i mean they they really are scraping the bottom of the barrel with who they put on some of these broadcasts but not going to name names because uh that'd be mean but 
Uh, a couple of good fights. The co-main event between uh, Emmanuel Sanchez and uh, that European guy. I thought that was pretty good. I thought it was fuck batshit insane that Emmanuel Sanchez didn't win that fight. I don't know what the fuck they were they were going on about. I thought at least at least 29-28 Sanchez. Uh, and I don't know. Get, get, giving all three rounds to that European guy whose name escapes me because my tabs all froze uh, is fucking insane. If you think he won that first round, I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, and then obviously in the main event, uh, which I would say got more coverage, more press than uh, the, the UFC's main event, uh, we had AJ McKee uh, choking, really knocking out and choking out. I like to say that because, you know, it sounds way more badass, but it's true. I mean, he knocked him out and choked him out. Uh, choked out uh, Patricio Pitbull in round number one. Uh, and that's exciting. That is truly, truly That's, that's probably Bellator's, because I'm, I'm trying to, you know, choose my words carefully here, but that that truly is, in every sense of the word, Bellator's first homegrown star. I mean, Pitbull, yeah, you know, and whatever. I, I don't really count regionals, but I'm, I'm going to, you know, differentiate with uh, McKee. But, you know, Pitbull had like 10 fights on the regional scene before he went to Bellator. Uh, you know, Michael Chandler, yeah, but he was a star for Bellator. It really seems like AJ McKee is a star, a, a transcendent star. Like, nobody really ever gave a fuck about Patricio Pitbull. He was obviously very, very good, no doubt about that. Still is the Bellator GOAT when you look at, you know, belts and, and wins and finishes and stuff like that. Um, but nobody ever really gave a fuck about Pitbull. Nobody ever, like, tuned in to watch Pitbull fight. Chandler, maybe. There probably were a, a good handful of people who tuned in to watch Chandler, but it's still Bellator. But AJ McKee? I don't know, man. I, I really think, you know, unless it's unless he's going up against a UFC pay-per-view, like, if it's just AJ McKee's headlining a fight card and the UFC is headlining a fight card, uh, I don't know. AJ McKee might, you know, draw a share from, from that crowd. He might... I don't know. I mean, I think that's what we... And we'll never know because it's very hard to get ratings and shit like that. But I would say he probably outdrew uh, the UFC. Um, amazing performance. And and the, the reason I say true homegrown star is the, the dude debuted in Bellator. So, you know, this guy is the, the real deal. I think he's done with Bellator. If I was him, I'd, I'd jump ship to the UFC right away. I don't know what his contract situation is like, but... Like, okay, what, what is he going to do in Bellator now that he won the belt? The only thing I would say, and he's probably going to stay in Bellator, by the way. So it's a pipe dream to think that he would jump ship to the UFC right away. The only thing for him to do is to go up to lightweight and fight Pitbull in the rematch. Like, I don't know, like that European guy who beat Emmanuel Sanchez, like, oh boy, I can't wait for him to fight AJ McKee, like... Okay, like you got to remember, most of Bellator is still just absolute garbage. So it's like, oh boy, I can't wait to see him fight a complete bum. It's like, eh, I'd, I'd rather see him go to the UFC right away. So I don't know, but good for him. Good for him. Good for Bellator. Good for them. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say on on Bellator. So we can get right over to uh, the UFC. Uh, obviously, the main event we had Sean Strickland winning. Uh, a unanimous decision victory over Uriah Hall. Just not even competitive. Not even competitive. Uh, 
won that fight from start to finish. We've seen this a lot with uh, middleweights in, in main events. I don't know what it is, but like, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of lopsided main events. Uh, Whitaker and Till, completely lopsided. Whitaker won every single round of that fight. Till made it tough, don't get me wrong. He didn't roll over, but just every single second of that fight was won by Robert Whitaker. Uh, Marvin Vittori, when he had that main event uh, a few months ago against uh, Jack Hermanson, just brutalized him. Just, you know what I mean? Just complete domination. And just complete domination by Sean Strickland. You know, it's... You know, I'm guilty of it. Like, oh, Sean Strickland, who the fuck is that? But his record's, his record's pretty good. I'm not going to pull a Brendan Schaub, you know, after I, you know, talked... Some people might misconstrue me talking down on Sean Strickland in the preview show. I'm not going to pull a, a Brendan Schaub and just because Sean Strickland had a good performance against, you know a guy who shouldn't be in the rankings against Uriah Hall. I'm not going to be like, oh, man, I knew Sean Strickland was a fucking goat since 2011. No, he had a great performance. Uh, but, it, you know, his record's pretty good. Again, you, you, you never want to get into the um, the habit of going, well, he has some good losses, but, you know, it was true. He lost to fucking, what was it, Covington and Usman? Or um, uh, for sure Usman, but uh, uh, maybe Luke or something. But it's like, okay, yeah, he is pretty good. It's easy to for, forget, uh, you know, the, the pedigree of Sean Strickland uh, without, you know, gassing him up, him up too much. But, you know, he beat him in the striking, really had him hurt in the later rounds, like rounds three and rounds four. And, you know, he did a good job mixing it up too, shooting for takedowns in some of those clinch situations along the cage. Didn't really have a whole lot of success with that in the early rounds when he tried that. But I think that paid off in rounds three, four, and five when he was able to take him down, or maybe I'm misremember, misremembering the exact rounds. But later in the fight, when he was able to take him down, he did damage on the ground too. So there, there really was no situation where Uriah Hall had success in that fight. I mean, clinch, he didn't really have success. He got outworked. Didn't really have success striking, grappling, certainly not. Uh, and this is why Uriah Hall is the most frustrating fighter in UFC history. I said it on the preview show. I tweeted it out. True as ever. He's the most talented fighter in the UFC who has nothing to show for his talent. I mean, he, like, he really doesn't. He has, a, he has a really nice finish of Gegard Mousasi. Uh, he has the spinning wheel kick on Adam Sella, which we'll see until the end of fucking time. Um... And, yeah, he doesn't have a win over Anderson Silva. He doesn't have a win over Chris Weidman. Catastrophic injury early on in that fight, and then you beat a senior citizen, so congrats. I don't count those at all. Uh, I, I, those are no contests as far as I'm concerned. In, in, the, in the North Star Sports Athletic Commission, if that was a thing, those would be no contests because of the, the age gap and, you know, ex, you know, circumstances in the Weidman fight. So, you know, th this guy really has nothing to show. Uh, I'm not trying to be too down on him, but it's just, he's so frustrating. And, I'm, you know, it's easy to fall in love with stuff. And you'll see this a lot of times with, like, um, oh, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, uh, Brendan Allen in his fight against Sean Strickland. Brendan Allen is a really well-rounded guy, but his bread and butter is wrestling. And, you know, he worked a lot on his boxing, tried to strike with Sean Strickland, and got knocked out. So, like, you can fall in love with stuff and kind of get away from what got you to the dance what made you good and like did Uriah Hall even throw a, a spinning heel kick in that entire fight and like that's such a stupid thing to say but like he just tried to he, he really he landed some leg kicks 
really didn't target the body and he seemed really tentative and just tried to straight up box him like is that what got you to the dance i'm not saying he i'm not saying every fifth strike has to be a spinning heel kick and he's got to do all this flashy stuff but like can you throw that in every once in a while like it, it, it was literally like uh you're starting off with a new character in ufc 4 and like you have a jab and a cross and like you got, you're trying to win your regional fights it's like what the fuck like you have so you have so many more tools in the toolbox like can't you can't you do anything can't you throw in a spinning back fist just one time just to just to throw sean strickland off i mean he was reading him like a book i mean it was not good and uh i did pick uriah hall to win this fight that probably was pretty stupid in hindsight but again i was really bullish on either of these guys uh but but certainly uh, you know uriah hall talking about you know okay well he beat bavon lewis and and guys like that it's like okay i, I don't really you know i i Anybody who was saying, oh, Uriah Hall is a, is a title contender. No, he's definitely not a title contender. Get out of here. Or uh, Dean Thomas with probably the craziest opinion I've heard uh, from, from the entire you know media lead up to this fight talking about, well, styles make fights, which is true. So if Uriah Hall wins, I'd like to see him fight Stylebender. Yeah. Oh, man, that would be state-sanctioned murder. If that fight happened in, in Las Vegas, that would be the Nevada State Athletic Commission literally greenlighting murder. They would be an accomplice to murder if that ever happened. I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, the, oh, he would finish him in 30 seconds. It would, it, oh, so, yeah, good for Sean Strickland. I mean, this puts him in the top 10. And I feel like middleweight the last couple of years is just ripe with, like, guys like Sean Strickland who just come out of nowhere and start doing shit you know Marvin Vittori like like Sean Strickland could be fighting for the title in two fights in, you know nine months from now you know what I mean because it's like well Jack Hermanson came out of fucking nowhere nobody knew who Jack Hermanson was kind of was toiling around in the UFC nobody knew who he was until he had that main event against Jacare and then he beat Jacare and then you know kind of exploded and you know he didn't ever get to the title but, you know, now he's a thing. Now we know who Jack Hermanson is. Marvin Vittori. Nobody really knew who the fuck Marvin Vittori was. You probably saw his fight against Izzy early on. You know, he had a back-and-forth fight that went to a draw with uh, Omar Yakhmedov. But, you know, that wasn't a barn burner. But he just kind of bursts onto the scene. So, you know, to steal a, a truism from Joe Rogan, from, from Toe Rogan, you know, it's entirely possible that Sean Strickland is fighting for the UFC title by uh, summer of 2022. So, yeah, good for him. It was a hell of a performance, so you know, I'm definitely interested. I was not interested leading up into you know, into this fight to see Sean Strickland fight, but after that, I'm interested. Uh, Sean Strickland also, I don't want to get in trouble because he said he would beat up, uh, or Actually, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but just Google Sean Strickland and just look at some of the storylines uh, coming out of Sean Strickland. Like, look up look up the story uh, of him uh, taking the shotgun away from some guy who put a shotgun to his head and just being like, yeah, I, I, I really, you know, I was thinking about, uh, am, I, am, am I legally in the clear to, you know, shoot this guy in the head with a shotgun? Uh, probably not because he's, he's crying for his life. Um, but, you know. 
I don't know. He's an interesting guy. Some might call him a psychopath. I would never call him a psychopath. I think that would be wildly irresponsible, so I would never do that. But some people might contend that uh, Sean Strickland has uh, a few screws loose. But uh, I would digress. In fact, I wouldn't even digress because I never even made the, the claim. Uh, so we'll move on here to the co-main event. And uh, not a whole lot to talk about here. We had a 60-second knockout from Cheyenne Bays on Gloria DePaula. You'll love to see it. You'll love to see it. I probably shit on this co-main event more than anybody. And I still think that that was... That never should have been a co-main event. Both of those fighters are 0-1 in the in the UFC, so they never should have had that co-main event, but they got it, and good for Cheyenne Bays for making the most of that. You know, that would have been really shitty if this went, you know, if this was a sloppy 15-minute decision, and instead she makes the most of it. She absolutely, unequivocally did not deserve that co-main event, but you gotta you gotta respect the hustle. I mean, someone who's going broke, you know, in the pursuit of MMA and, you know, having the most fortuitous co-main event slot in the history of the promotion and getting a highlight level knockout. It was a beautiful knockout, beautifully timed, all, uh, you know, Eric Anders on Tim Williams a few years ago. Tremendous knockout. You get the performance bonus. Uh, so that's that's awesome to see. That's great to see, you know, and, and let's see if she can capitalize on you know, future placement, uh, you know, I mean, that's always going to be on her highlight tape. I mean, she is one and one in the UFC and beat someone who doesn't even have a win in the UFC. So, you know, it's not like she's getting a title fight next, but this is a good amount of media exposure. Um, you know, she's a young fighter, not a bad record. You know, you could be forgiven for losing your, um, UFC debut. Cause you know, it happens to a lot, happens to a ton of good fighters. They lose their UFC debut all the time. So, you know, People are going to know who Cheyenne Bays is the next time she's on a card. And, you know, you get a little extra Skrilla in your pocket for, uh, and I, I assume she probably got 15 and 15, 15 to show, 15 to win. So she probably made $80,000. $80, so, you know, that's definitely not chump change. That's pretty fucking good. Average American household income is $54,000. So, you know. She is sitting pretty for one day's work. Obviously, I'm oversimplifying that because, you know, it's not exactly one day of, of work. You know, it's many days of training. But, you know, for one day's work, getting $80,000 is very nice. And then DePaula, I don't care if she's going to get caught from the UFC, so that's whatever. Um, moving on to the featured bout, we had a first-round knockout from Jared Gooden on Nicholas Stoltze. Yet another amazing finish on this card again you know not a lot of big names not a lot of established brands on this card but maybe some people making names for themselves you know jared gooden taking this one on on short notice uh you know puts him down beautifully almost almost a ko i guess you i guess technically you have to count that as a tko because he wasn't out cold and there were follow-up strikes but damn near a KO. Very, very good finish. He's a powerful guy. And we didn't really see that in the uh, Nurmagomedov fight with Gooden because he kind of got dominated. But we did see that in his debut against Alan Joban. He hurt Joban. I think he lost that fight 
they went unanimous. I might have gone, well, it's hard for me to say split because it's just whatever my fucking scorecards is. But if it was, it, point being, it was a close fight and he had him hurt. So, you know, he packs a punch and he f- definitely sent Nicholas Stolze to hell. So uh, Stolze drops to 0-2, kind of irrelevant at this point. Uh, but for for Gooden, I mean, not, not, a, not a very attractive record, but, you know, nice finish and only 27 years old. So congrats to him. Uh, moving on, uh, we had a round two head kick knockout from Melsic Bogdasarian on Colin England. Uh, unfortunately, I did not get to watch this fight. I did see the finish. It was a very good finish. Kind of sent Anglin on skates. Pretty unusual fall from Colin Anglin. You know, like you're used to seeing people get dropped, but he kind of... It was almost delayed slightly and then kind of weird because he like skirted off to the side. But good for uh, Bogdasarian. You're, you know, you're always concerned... And he's going up against a guy who was 8-1 and one coming into this fight, so it's not like he was going up against, you know, someone with 30 uh, pro fights. But anytime you're 5-1 and one and you're in the UFC, you know, where you have, you have a, a very limited fight experience in MMA, obviously an extensive uh, kickboxing um, career, but that doesn't, really, that doesn't really matter that much when we're talking about MMA. That's like saying you have an extensive checkers background and you, you, you're... You now play chess, like, okay. I'm sure that translates to some degree, but, okay, it's not the thing. You know, you see it with, like, Carlos Ulberg and Justin Taffa and fucking Juan Adams, and it's like, yeah, most people who come to the UFC at 4-0 and or 3-0 and or, you know, these, these very limited fight numbers don't really do so, so well. So good to see him not just lose, because that would have pissed me off, because I, I just hate seeing shit like that. Uh, moving on to the main card opener, we had a unanimous decision victory for Jason Witt over Brian Barbarena. Uh, solid performance from Witt back and forth. Both of those guys were hurt. Um, pretty pretty tough to finish Brian Barbarena. Uh, I, I don't think it's a good sign that he's losing to somebody uh, you know of the of the standing of Jason Witt. Uh, you know, and he puts on good fights, but he's lost. I mean, Jesus, five of his last eight or something like that. So he could be on the chopping blocks when you when you lose that much. And for for Jason Witt, I, I don't know. I mean, he got finished pretty quickly in, in two of his first three UFC fights. So uh, the fact that Barbarina couldn't put him away is uh, a little bit concerning. But I, I feel like when you beat somebody like Brian Barbarina... He, like, he's one of those guys that I think the UFC really appreciates and thinks highly of, even though he's never been in the rankings. You know, like, the UFC just picks the, their guys. Like, there's just certain guys that if you beat them, uh, good things are going to happen. And this is, again, Brian Barberina's on the very low end of this, probably the lowest end of this. But, like, uh, RDA, like, the UFC just loves RDA. You beat RDA amazing things are going to happen. I mean, they really think highly of him. Um, oh, shit. Who's the other? I always had two examples of it, and I, f- I forgot the other guy. Son of a bitch. But either way, you know, the, you beat Barbarena. That's that's pretty impressive. Outstruck him 114 to 56. Really wasn't close. Uh, but Barbarina, um, he, he was holding his own on... Um, uh, significant strikes, but definitely a win there for uh, Jason Witt. 
moving on, we'll, we'll, we'll quickly breeze through some of these prelims because they were not super noteworthy. Uh, we had Chris Gritzmacher winning the unanimous decision uh, over Hoffa Garcia. Uh, Garcia came out guns a-blazing, made the first round pretty interesting, but rounds two and rounds three, all Chris Gritzmacher, uh, you know, he, he gritty, he, he was tough, really invested in the body, which, uh, you know, was a smart move as uh, the minutes kind of drained away in that one. Garcia really was was only uh, headhunting in that, and he got outstruck by, uh, by a lot. Did land a couple of takedowns, but uh, not a particularly close fight there for Hoffa Garcia, so... You know, keeps Gritzmacher employed, which he needed to win that uh, fight as well. So uh, good for uh, the uh, season 22 of the Ultimate Fighter alum, Chris Gritzmacher. Uh, we had a draw, a majority draw between Danny Chavez and Kai Kamaka the third. Uh, Danny Chavez has eyes and testicles of steel. I, I tweeted that out in uh, uh, less medical terms. Uh, on Saturday uh, good fight back and forth really sucks that there's you know so many cheap shots whether they were intentional or unintentional from Kai Kamaka and uh, kind of shitty that uh, it just goes to a draw you know nobody ever likes a draw I think they should run it back we say this all the time when draws happen and it almost never happens like that almost never ha- so I, I would guarantee this fight doesn't get rebooked but why not why not you know, it's not like they're ranked. It's not like they're title contenders. Like, let's... Danny Chavez is just going to go on to fight somebody else in a very similar spot to Kai Kamaka in the totem pole of the UFC. And same for Kai Kamaka. So why not? There's already a storyline here. The UFC is all about storylines. There's so many fighters in the UFC that every matchup should have a storyline to some degree. I mean, it's almost inexcusable. Uh, debuting fighters are probably the exception most of the time because, you know, you got to debut to have a storyline in the UFC. But, I mean, seriously, the storyline's here. It went to a draw. It was a good fight. Why do you just get to move on? Why do you? Why does Danny Chavez just get to move on from Kai Kamaka? Why does Kai Kamaka get to move on from Danny Chavez? No, let's do it again. We need a winner. The fans demand a winner. So, let's rebook that. Uh, we had Jin Yu Frey... Jin Yu Fry, excuse me, winning a unanimous decision over Ash... <clears throat> excuse me. Throat just gave out there. Uh, over Ashley Yoder. Uh, didn't really watch that one for obvious reasons. Uh, we had Zaruk Adeshev winning a unanimous decision on Ryan Benoit. Uh, or ben- no, it's Benoit, which is ugh, gross. Benoit? I guess I'm so used to hockey that that's just Benoit. Uh, you know, he's Ryan Benoit, in my opinion. Fuck it, I don't care. What is he going to do about it? He's a flyweight. Um, it was it was an interesting fight. You know, um, excuse me. Need a need a propel break here. That's the curse of uh, Ryan Benoit. Fucking up his name. Just totally turned my mouth to the Sahara Desert. Um, but an interesting fight. The the leg kicks were really really brutal on Benoit. I mean, his leg was purple and, and red at the end of the first round. I'm surprised he didn't get finished. You know, there's only ever been like eight leg kick finishes in the UFC. I think the last was uh, Gutierrez, maybe a handful of months ago, maybe even a year ago at this point. Uh, Chris Gutierrez. 
and uh, I'm surprised that there haven't been more finishes. I mean, oftentimes you'll invest in the legs and then the finish comes some other method, you know, because that, you know, is a pressing medical thing, you know, you'll get TKO'd some, some other way or something. Uh, but Adeshev definitely need, needed a win. You know, you're three and three in the UFC. I mean, wacky shit just happens in the flyweight division because they don't really care. But um, he needed a win. Benoit needed a win. I mean, he could easily be cut or not because, again, they don't really care about flyweights. And he made it interesting. I mean, this guy's got power. I mean, he hurt him. I believe it was round two where he knocked him down and, and was uh, getting on top of him. So you definitely got to mind your P's and Q's uh, with uh, Benoit. But you know, that's three straight losses in a row. That's five losses in his last seven. And, you know, the, the two wins in that stretch are against complete bums who I have never heard of. So, probably the end for Ryan Benoit. And then we had the uh, main card, excuse me, the prelim opener between Philip Rowe and Orion Kosi. Great fight. Really good fight, actually. You know, Philip Rowe... Uh, definitely lost that first round, was kind of getting outworked by Kosi, who's, who's kind of a spaz when he fights. Uh, very, very energetic, and then Roe just kind of turned it on, started to hurt him, used his length. I mean, 6'3 at 170 is pretty tall, but he's got a really good reach. You know, he, he was landing those knees that were were hitting the chin of Kosi. I mean, he's you know he's just like uh, Gumby or something when he fights. I mean, he's he's like uh, Slenderman when he fights. Uh, and he, he was tagging him and, uh, you know, eventually f- finished him. Probably could have finished him the first time, uh, you know, the first little scramble they had. But, you know, did it the second flurry uh, in, in the second round. So, you know, Rowe needed a win. Uh, sucks for Kosi. I still think Kosi's probably somebody to watch out for. Um, again, it's, it's the dreaded UFC debut. You know, people lose the debut all the time. But... Uh, you know, good good win for your for uh, Roe, and um, you know what a what a fight card this was. You know, everything was trending down. Everything was trending down. So many canceled bouts. I mean, we missed out on seeing Nico Montano fight. I mean, that's a former UFC flyweight champion of the world, the premier organization in mixed martial arts. Uh, you know. It, they were dropping like the plague. I mean, we had three, two or three bouts canceled like fucking the day of the fight and uh you know it just goes to show that sometimes it can be shitty on paper but you know it it is the ufc and these fighters most of the time belong here for a reason and most of the time will put on decent performances so you know obviously if this fight was this fight card was really shitty i would be telling you about uh i told you so told you so so you know i'm aware of my own hypocrisy but again i did hedge my bets in saying you know, sometimes the, the bad fight cards, uh, you know, are not so bad. So, you know, that was a very pleasant surprise. It was a very nice evening of combat sports. Well, really mixed martial arts because I don't know what the fuck boxing was doing on Saturday. I mean, boxing is for dinosaurs. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but the average age of a boxing fan increases by one year every year because there's no new boxing fans. So, you know, the boxing fans just get older and older until they die off. You know, it's like Fox News or whatever. I mean, there's no new fans of Fox News. You know, the, the average age of a Fox viewer, the average age of a boxing viewer goes up one year every single year because it's a dying sport. You know, boxing's a dying sport. So for MMA, I mean, you know, Bellator was fine. 
it was fine. Obviously, main event was awesome, better than anything the UFC had to do uh, that night. But UFC, not too shabby. And we get a pay-per-view next Saturday. So we don't even go back to some fucking fight night that could could be shitty. We get to go right to the uh, the big honcho, the head honcho. We get uh, interim heavyweight uh, championship on the line, and then I forget who else is on that uh, pay-per-view, but, you know, it's a pay-per-view, so, you know, good stuff's going to be on there. I guess we can take a little uh, sneak peek at it. Uh, and also, it's not conspiratorial to say that the interim heavyweight championship is on the line because this fight is in Houston and that's the only reason it's on the line like I I remember somebody asking uh, Dana White at one of the press conferences which I thought was a really great question to ask because we know the answer uh, you know is there a belt on the line because this is uh, Derek Lewis and the pay-per-view is in Houston Texas and they said no no uh, yeah yeah it is there the, the UFC they were good for a little bit but now they're back to the, uh, you know, we can't possibly have a pay-per-view that is not headlined by a championship. I mean, holy shit, we have to, even if it's the poo-poo pee-pee championship of the fucking world, we have to make up a belt, you know, for for pay-per-views. We couldn't possibly fill, fill a pay-per-view with amazing fights that happen to not be championship fights and, you know, sleep well at night. You know what I mean? So we have to have you know a belt on the line if if that if 265 took place in any other city in the world in the universe outside of houston texas there would not be a belt on the line so uh i find that crazy when people are talking about that um yeah we got jose aldo and pedro munoz that'll be fun luke and kiesa oh just oh gross tisha torres and angela hill on the main card on the main card boy i'll be skipping that one that's for sure um actually not that great of a card i know that's hilarious considering what i said leading up to you know fight night strickland versus hall but that is not a very good pay-per-view but some nice fights on there so we'll probably be previewing that tomorrow or i don't know maybe set well actually i work on saturday so can't preview it on saturday so actually we will be getting the preview Uh, on time because you know the mailman's got shit to do so uh with that we'll wrap it up here again you can follow me on twitter at owen ely mn you can follow north star sports on twitter at north star min be sure to check out our website at northstarsports.media and thanks for tuning in everybody